thinking about getting a penis implant. Get the fuck out of here. No, I'm fucking serious. They got these do-it-yourself penis implants now. Well, actually, do most of it yourself, then somebody's got to give you a fucking hand. I don't know what the fuck you're looking at me for. I'm touching your dick. Your cookie. What about you? Come on, stretch. Cookie don't want to hear that shit about your dick. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Look What You Made Me View. And I can't get it up in a crowd, baby. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Kaylee. And no. this is a special episode where we have a guest. I'm a guest. Yes, this is Chris. I'm a guest. He's joining us. Uh, since we have a guest, we let the uh, guest pick the movie this week, and the movie is Gridlocked. Full disclosure, I didn't think I had seen this film, but I saw this film. Uh, uh, I must have seen it with you. Uh, I'm sure I did. Chris and I are longtime friends. Um, so, yeah, we probably watched it together in high school. <laughs> that would be when. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't have watched it before high school, which we were friends before high school. True. In middle school was is what's before high school. So yeah. we couldn't have watched it then because it had not been released then. That's how time works. That is. Yeah. <laughs> chronological lineage. All right, so Gridlocked, uh, uh, yeah. 1997, mm-hmm. this movie comes out. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you wanted us to see this, why you would share this movie with uh, people, and um, you know, uh, what if you want to summarize the movie. All right, so I picked Gridlocked, starring Tupac Shakur, Tim Roth, Andy Newton. Uh, this was a time in my life, I was 16 when this movie came out, and I idolized Tupac. I loved everything he did. I liked the shit he did, and I liked the greatest works he did. And so this became one of those movies that never really gained traction like some of his other work in Juice and Poetic Justice. Uh, is, it was a lesser-known work, and um, it was released posthumously yeah. after his death. Uh, he died in September of 96. This was released um, in early 97. And so I was, you know, one of those people who related to Tupac and sought Tupac as kind of a guiding force in my life. And (laughs) so when you're in that kind of time and place, you pick a show or a movie or a song and you just become obsessed with it. So I probably watched this movie 20 times in the late 90s. And so it really resonated with me, even though... Now that I've watched it over 20 years later, I see that it's not really that good a movie. Um, but that's okay. Like that's It's something I needed, and there are moments in it that uh, really jumped out at me without getting too far into the movie yet. So the synopsis of the film is uh, Tupac and uh, Tim Roth, whose are, characters are Spoon and Stretch, are heroin addicts. The opening scene to the film, uh, they're in a band together with Thandie Newton's character, Cookie. Uh, she has an overdose in the opening scene, and what ensues is them trying to get her to the hospital, get her treatment. And based on this event, they decide they're going to kick heroin. It's her first time using their longtime users. And so then the next day, 
uh, is them rushing from office to office to office, trying to, you know, get on Medicaid, to get government support, to get into rehab is the whole goal is for them to kick heroin. And it's kind of about how they're stuck in the system of not being able to achieve that and the kind of ups and downs of that happening all while Cookie's in the hospital. And then they have cutback scenes in between of flashbacks of them performing together or just their relationship as a trio. Um, and then there's a, a B plot line that I'll get into later that I don't even want to talk about right now, but that's my, <laughs> that's, that's later in the show. We'll talk about the B line, which is buzz, awful. Buzz. Uh, and then, and it's just about, it's about them being force fed through the system and what yeah. that experience mm-hmm. is like for these two characters throughout the day, trying to get help, get off drugs and not being able to achieve it in one felt swoop, having to just be bounced around like a pinball in the New York City system. So that's it. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So. Chris loves this movie, introduced it to us. I discovered that I have already seen this movie while watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you've not seen this movie at all, Kaylee. Never. So if you had to summarize this movie. I'll keep it brief. Sure. It's train spotting in America. Like it? I and I love Train Spotting. That's top five for me. That's yeah. one of my favorite movies. So I loved this movie. You yeah. know, I have very few problems with it. I thought it was fun. It was great. It was interesting. Uh, I just, I have a passion for these movies that show any, in a theatric way, like how bad the system is. Uh, Train Spotting does yeah. that for you. This is like. That, the I, perfect that's apt because this is like that era of those movies. So it's funny. Somehow watching movies mm. about heroin helped keep me away from heroin. Oh, yeah. You, you know, a lot of people argued like, oh, kids shouldn't be watching this stuff. It's like, no, it's fucking terrifying. No, Maybe they me. should be watching yeah. it. Um, it's just this next level of drug addiction that we saw growing up that uh, was kind of telling. Uh, yeah. Let me jump in on that note, though, because I think that first off, Vondi Curtis Hall is the director. Right. You should always mention a director. I feel remiss. I didn't say that. It's not a well-known director, but that's, Quite not, right. that's neither here not, nor there. Not well-known. Yeah. When you anyway. list who starred in a movie, you should, you should mention the director. So I would be <laughs> curious uh, to ask him, because I Train Spotting came out before this movie. It did, yeah. Uh, but not that far. Like, right. It's a very close proximity in time, 96 and 97, so... It's it's notable. Would would this even have been in production at the time that Train Spotting came out? And I would just be interested to find that um, find that information out. Like, did, did was this even something I watched Train Spotting? And this kind of inspired me to take certain moments in this film. Right, I, right, right. I'm curious about that. I did not yeah. make that connection. And Train Spotting was one of my favorite films growing up too. So, right. Well, pull. even <laughs> even if you just knew. Um, that a movie like Train Spotting was coming out and he knew like where it was taking place. Maybe the idea was like, well, I know this movie is going to come out. Let's do the American version of it and right, we'll do right. like a compare and contrast and show that this is kind of universal no matter where mm-hmm, you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I loved the fact that it was so specifically American. Like Train Spotting is so specifically UK. Mm-hmm. There are references in that movie that I, I still don't get, and I've seen it a million right. times. This is so specifically Let's American. Let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. What do you mean it's very American? What is American about this movie? Uh, phraseology, It's there are a lot of American phrases in it, just the way that uh, people talk and speak and present oh. themselves. Yeah. Uh, Thandie Newton's character American. is like a complete contrast to everything else that's going on. 
And, and I think that was intentional. I think they did a really good job picking her for that role, yeah. for that specific contest. Yeah. It was well cast. There's sure, that, uh, sure. Um, if I'm trying to fish for compliments for the the movie I love that we picked, because <laughs> I had to, I had to fish for compliments. I I think that you're onto something though when you talk about the language used, and I mean, and, and obviously it takes place in New York City. I mean, mm-hmm. it kinda, does it? Is it, uh, yes? Is that obvious? Yes, it is. Yes. Why is that to, obvious? To protect and to serve, to serve and protect. Absolutely. Like, uh, is that a fucking New York <clears throat> thing? I mean, because all right, yes, yes. That's this is. It's clearly I thought he was just intentionally well, getting no, it wrong to fuck with the cops. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 and that's a that's a source of well. I mean, we're giving no context for what the hell we're even talking about. There's a scene when Tim Roth. What's well, fine? People will watch this movie if they're really interested. We're going to talk about it because we've seen it. <laughs> we literally set up these fucking scenes. If you want to see the so, movie, go see the movie. These heroin addicts intentionally interacting with police to try to get saved from some drug to dealers who are trying to kill trying them. To kill them. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to shake the drug dealers, and he keeps saying to serve and protect, to protect and to serve. And Tim Roth's character is intent getting it wrong or is just disillusioned it doesn't really actually know which it is and every time the cop corrects him he says absolutely and then he says it again he says it wrong and the cop corrects him and he says absolutely oh, I, yeah <laughs> speaking right of which we're in um, that scene right now in the yeah. background um <laughs> that's funny so all right let's let's rewind just a little bit. no i want to so, i want to touch on this really quickly right, let's yeah, go please. back to like who's who in the zoo uh, like I was shocked to find out that Tupac was not the first pick. Okay, the first pick was Lawrence Fishburne, and the director mm. uh, could not afford Lawrence Fishburne's salary. Totally understandable. Mm-hmm. The The next picks were Don Cheadle and Forrest Whitaker. Both of them turned it down, and then they asked Tupac. I was shocked. That's weird. So I could, I could see Forrest Whitaker being able to pull off this role. I could definitely see that. Yeah. I could I would not discredit Don Cheadle to say he couldn't. He would have had to have been not him though. In a lot of the movies he's in, he's playing him in now you're this guy doing this thing mm-hmm. as you, <laughs> which I don't know how far off on a tangent I'm allowed to go in this moment on casting though, but on casting, this is something that really as I was watching this movie made me so i had in scene two where nothing's happening there's i mean and i don't mean act two of the film i mean scene two of the movie they get her to the hospital and they're in the waiting room and i started to tear up and i started to really get emotional because it it was you know you know when you're you're younger or you know your kid or a teenager or whatever and you watch movies over and over again you don't always necessarily watch the whole movie every time but you always get those opening scenes in sure and there's this transition scene that's not that meaningful in the movie but in that moment having not watched this movie in 20 years it reminded me of who i was mm-hmm. when i was watching this movie over right. and over again yeah and then what made me really so then I was reflecting on myself as who was I at 15, 16, 17. Yeah. And why was a movie like this important to me? But then I started thinking about how Tupac, what I was just saying of this other actor, he never got to explore as an actor doing anything other than playing Tupac in a movie. Okay, you're Tupac, right, right. but now you're in South Central. Okay, you're Tupac, but you're dating, you're, you're interspersed with Janet Jackson. You're Tupac, but you're a heroin addict. He never, you're Tupac, but you're in grid. Lo- I don't feel like he's Tupac in this movie. I, I feel like 
all of his he, he only did five major movies Tupac would not put up with some of the white nonsense in this movie that's I'm not what I'm saying you. I'm saying as an actor yeah. I'm saying as an actor he's playing Tupac archetype he's playing and, and you gotta keep in mind like this is but Tupac's not a heroin addict he's a successful rapper he's a you know activist that's not this just, guy is a is a heroin addict I didn't know Tupac it's an but odd mix. I watched Tupac and studied him enough that his mannerisms just felt like Tupac being Tupac. Like when you're listening to him doing an outro in Picture Me Rolling, and he's saying, ah, y'all mad I'm free. Ah, like, yeah, I got out of jail. Like, fuck, the, fuck, fuck them. Fuck the DA. Fuck the attorney. Like, right. he's just, I, I felt, and this is, like I said, I acknowledge I was about to be on a tangent, but... I, I like. I wonder what he would have been if he had been able to be in like the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. Like if he had been able to right. be someone who sure. was so not him. I'd like to know what movies he had lined up. Like uh, yeah, what he never cool got to up. break out of that. And I, I, I don't know because we never got to know what mm-hmm. what level of talent would he have been to go. Oh, like because so many actors are stuck in that kind of typecast role. Right. Okay, he's a drug addict. Okay, he's a drug dealer. Okay, mm-hmm. he, like you know, they, it's still this world that we know him for. Right. What would it have been like to see him in some roles that were just completely not the perception we had of him? But I digress. I, I have a theory on this, um, and I don't know enough about Tupac to to say much. But I was looking for like some fun facts to throw around, and um, one of the comments was that the director had to ask Tupac to stop working on his music after they were done shooting the film mm. because he was too tired and yeah. he was too himself. I, I mean, I'm not an expert. I, I could do a, an hour on Tupac if I had to, if I was asked to, but. Basically, the resolve was he was either so paranoid or so uh, self-fulfilling prophetic that he was literally living in a studio in mm. New York, and he believed he was going to be murdered in the near in the next. He said he would say in songs like, "I, I have three to six months to live, mm. and so I'm trying to record as much as I can, as much as I can, to get as much laid down as possible." Because so, that's my my living legacy, and the rumor is, and I don't know how to confirm it, is that you know he sold what six hundred million records, and he died with sixty thousand dollars in his bank account. He was spending it, he was giving it away. Yeah, he just, he believed his death was impending, and he had nothing to stash anything away for to live. He wasn't going to live. Mm-hmm. He was the plight of the black man in America who was going to die young or incarcerated, mm-hmm. and so he just every non waking moment he was working or recording. And that's why there's been, what, nine posthumous albums or whatever. Mm. I don't know. I need a fact check on that number. But there's been a lot of albums. You know that. Yeah. After his death. Yeah. And yeah. Starting with movies. Machiavelli and moving on. Yeah. It's a really? lot of albums. So. Well, it's really sad that this is his last movie. I would have loved this to have seen him in other stuff. This is not technically his last oh, movie. Oh, what's his last there movie? There was one more. What's yeah. his last movie? Um, I can't remember the name oh, of it, know but there were three that were released after gang related came out after this, uh, and it was with okay. uh starring. Oh man, I'm gonna sound like an idiot if I get it wrong. Was it a Belushi? Was it the Belushi that was living? <laughs> what was it called? What did I just say it was? I just had gang, gang related. related. Gang related came out after this. I'm pulling it now, so you fill her for me. Yeah, sure. No, we'll That's just cool. add we'll it. Just, we'll yeah. cut. Gang related was in '97. Oh, Tupac Shakur was in it, and Jim Belushi, and Dennis Quaid, 
And this really, James Earl Jones, so, you <laughs> no. know, they, they, they were trying to get him into stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, but this is the low budget one, and that's the one mm-hmm. they put a lot of money into. They put a lot of money into soundtrack. It's a so-so soundtrack, but if, again, this is the, what, what um, if I can date myself and then date the, my counterpart over here, is we lived in an era where you had to buy a soundtrack to get right. a Tupac song. Right. We didn't have MP3s to download right. or right. download. You bought before. the whole soundtrack, right? We, you had to buy the whole soundtrack. You Gang Related was a double CD, and I was <laughs> so mad. <laughs> so I had to buy the twenty-dollar <laughs> CD for the three songs I wanted. I've been there, a, man. It was an okay soundtrack, but Wu Tang's got a few situations <sighs> like that. Fuck me up. I know you lived it. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I want to say that this movie starts off gross. And that's noted by our clip here, uh, you know, what, mm-hmm. what we started with, where he's just talking about dick implants. And what that, what does that mean exactly? What is the point? They don't say. It no. doesn't matter. It's gross. And then they, that's, that's how they discover Cookie's dead. Is <laughs> yeah. to ask her about his dick. Yeah, um, that's true. So <laughs> that's I'm not happened. expecting you to like this movie, Kaylee. Okay. From the jump, I'm thinking. I'm thinking things. Let me let me move forward. <laughs> sure. So <laughs> they're taking Cookie to the hospital. She's uh-huh. dying, right? Mm. Uh-huh. This is the chrono. You know this. This is correct. I think uh, chronologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm eating a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> So you have no idea the character is going to be named Cookie while you're eating cookies watching this movie. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was fun. But, I, you know, so that happens. And then mm. soon after that, they get into the trans thing because they're watching television. Mm. So now they're finally mm. flashing back and showing you, okay, this was a reverse kind of narrative. Uh, they're watching like a, a Springer knockoff show. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah. uh, they get into this really not sensitive trans conversation. And sensitive at the time, I will say, um, even to bring it up and talk about it at all, to have one character that's just fascinated versus judging mm-hmm. was progress <laughs> here's here's why i, I not, love that scene. Yeah. i thought it was not perfect right. but it was more it was closer to perfect than any other movie that i have seen from that year or prior you know they were at least like trying to get into the right conversation they're like inching towards it. Sure. Whereas, like, I'll inching. watch. Um, there you go. Talking about watch, penises again. Ha, ha. About edging inching. towards it. Get there. Yeah, I'll watch Sleepaway <laughs> Camp, and I'm like, the fuck is this shit? Like, we are nowhere near where we need to be talking about, <laughs> you know, uh, transgender and queer right rights and all of that. Right. Um, no, I, I was not bugged by that conversation about the. The the tra- is it a trans woman who is now a lesbian? No, yes. it's, that- it's so it's yes. a yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a, tra- okay. it's a man yes. that you were speaking already in present tense. Yeah. It gets confusing, yeah. and it's not <laughs> confusing because uh, it's confusing conceptually. It's confusing because it's like okay, what's the timeline here? Right. So the scene is the man gets a sex change, and then the way they put it, this is not me putting it. They say then he decides. Or then she decides she's a lesbian, mm-hmm. and then the other character says, uh, "Cookie says, so let me get this straight." Guy gets his dick cut off so that he can have sex with a woman as a woman. Mm-hmm. Which Something now that we're saying that in 2020 is not that progressive of a concept. Mm-hmm. No. And then she says, and he could have just saved a lot of time and money mm-hmm. by just giving women head. 
Mm-hmm. That's basically what she says. Yeah, she she makes some comment about the best part or something. Like, like. he sh- he should just gonna start going down on women. You know? Yeah. So I I get what you're saying in the ter- in terms of like uh, the language could certainly be interpreted as uh, insensitive. Yeah. With that said, I do not feel that that was the intent of the scene. Right. But isn't that kind of the point? Is that it wasn't meant to be, but right. oh wait, now that we're in 2020, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it, I kind of see that, both sides I, of this argument. I think yeah. in in the era, they're making it as a reaction to the stuff that is on television. Because that's true. it's salacious mm-hmm. talk and, show bullshit, and that's exactly the kind of narrative they were, I mean, all day, every day, yes. for a certain and, period And this of is in my prose, so I won't talk about this now, but part of what we're touching on is that that's not the intent of the scene. The intent right. of right. the scene is that Jerry Springer was like the most popular show on television in yeah. 1996. No, I agree. It's, it's a reaction <laughs> yeah. to It's the not times meant to be like, okay, let's itself. make a statement about transgender people. But they are inherently but making a that statement that was a by, topic yeah, yeah. on Jerry Springer right. at the time. <laughs> yeah. There's um, another like TV moment where we have kind of like the same situation though, right? Like when it's like a conservative network and the guy comes on and he mm-hmm. talks about like breastfeeding in public mm-hmm. is disgusting. Yep. It's disgusting. Right. It's, it's exact oh, words. Breastfeeding in public is disgusting. Yeah. And then there's another scene. And this is why this movie is so on the cusp of being a great movie, but right. not achieving. Right. There's a scene later when Tim Roth and Tupac are, or uh, Stretch and Spoon are walking through one of the many offices they're shuffling through and there's a woman breastfeeding and Stretch Tim Roth's character turns and kind of does this like, huh. <laughs> and it's he's such a brilliant actor that if you're, if you've watched this 20 times and you're like, think of Tim Roth as a brilliant actor, he, the visual processing of I was watching this show where this guy was saying this is disgusting and now I'm actually witnessing it in public and what's my actual opinion on that? But that's not the agenda of the film. They just okay. keep going. It's just this like, oh yeah, remember when we referenced that? Now he's going, oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But you wouldn't pick up on it unless you were obsessed with the movie and watched it 20 times in 1997 sure. like I did. <laughs> you know? Sure. So. Uh, this movie, call, uh, by the way, uh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> this movie tries so hard to be progressive, mm-hmm. and then they have scenes like yeah. in the bathroom yeah, when so hard. Sandy so Newton hard. sits on the toilet and uh, she makes like she's going pee. Right? We hear nothing, and then the two guys pee into the same toilet, and it's like <laughs> a trough. Yeah, it's just the <laughs> yeah. loudest pee I have it's ever heard. It's super loud. Yeah. Uh, so they have. The breastfeeding comments. They have the semi-queer conscious comments. And then they have the pee thing. Like, they try and then they fail. And then they try and then they fail. Again, the movie is gross so often. <laughs> it's so gross. True. Also, early in the movie, they take her to the doctor and they're talking uh-huh. to a doctor. And this doctor is the lamest motherfucker of all time. Mayonnaise. Um, and they shoot him from underneath. I don't know why they give him this, like dominant kind of perspective on the camera with that but he is not helping and it's so funny he's like uh can we you know can we see her ah uh, no no we can't no you can't see her come on doctor don't give me all that i can't see her shit can i see her <laughs> and then they see her it's like basically how that breaks down um, i have a quote that you said last night that oh, wow, was we just like, yeah, yeah yeah we were watching it and it was the most profound thing i had ever heard so i wrote it done you said admin a- is going to be the death of everyone Doctors take an oath. Admin does not. 
they can do harm. The bitch I was like, oh. at the motherfucking hospital that is just out. I'll let her die. I'll let yeah. the bitch die. Like, just out to get her, basically, or get them. As no one woman whole. should have all that but, power. Okay, no. Hold on. This is this is the this is the point though of how that like this these moments these several moments are the quintessential like nail it on the head of how this movie almost gets it but fails. Yeah. Because right before that, there's a great quote where Tupac is saying, look, lady, my fucking lady's about to die here, lady. If I'd known this <laughs> shit, I would have wrote it down. Please. And he starts slapping the yes. bag. Yeah. And then, she's, then she has her retort, which is, I let the bitch die. And right. then the doctor runs over to go like, whoa, Susie, like I know it's a late night uh, at, on New Year's Eve. because it is new, And it is New Year's Eve. Right. I forgot right. about it that. It is New Year's yeah. Eve. Yes. So, yeah. of, oh, another OD bitch is in here. Like, yeah. she's dealing, and he's like, if I'd known this shit, I would have written it down. My lady's about to die, lady. Like, help me here. Like, <laughs> what do I do? And that that's a moment too that you've you've been on kind of there's no human that hasn't been on both sides that in some capacity maybe it's not life or death but you've been on the side where you're like i, I don't know i just need help please help me right yeah and, and that's where this movie is trying to capture that moment yeah and then you're the person that's like i'd like to help you but i need you to be more polite and you need to understand there's 50 people in front of you in line who are in just as bad a situation as you are that and the movie's right. about the system yeah and that's why it's called good it's luck. doing that over and well, over and, and over again it's just the the scene doesn't nail it. Right. It gives both sides. Well, it has an intention, but they just don't nail it. I would argue that the movie doesn't nail it. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'm, saying, I'm going through scene by scene where they don't nail it. Yeah, and then when you put it all together, the yeah. movie doesn't because nail it. it's but they're redundant. Trying, it's, right? I see where they're headed. Is all yeah. I'm saying. This okay? Uh, <laughs> and I'm not defending this movie. I cannot be more open. I'm not defending <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. But I see what they were going for, and they just didn't. Right. Nail it over right. and over and but we're not here to critique the film. This isn't a this isn't a I'm writing a you know a, a synopsis to tell you if it's a good movie or a bad movie. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about the emotional, you know, connection and why it meant so much to me at a time, you know. Right. So th- there's dozens of these moments. I mean, I can I have a list that I can go through of or they, they just almost get there. Yeah. So if I could jump, I would like to jump to another scene sure. where Yeah, yeah um, please do. They're in the office, and I counted them. Some of them are the same offices, even. Mm-hmm. They go to 10 different office visits wow. throughout this film wow. to try to get help. So right. it's like okay. a Medicaid office. Like, no, but that office has moved. Oh, then it's this office, but no, that office has moved. Well, mm-hmm. no, but we don't do that here, but we do do that here. And then they end up, in the end, at the same office they started at. Which, again, is one of those things that it's like, aha. And that's the guy that's Mm -hmm. like, hey, just come back tomorrow with your test results. Yes, that's that guy. Right before that, they get to a guy in the same office or the office before or whatever. It's meant to be jumbled. It's meant to be confusing. Mm -hmm. And Tim Roth is saying, like, we need help today. I don't fucking have till tomorrow. I need fucking help now. Seven to ten days from now doesn't fucking matter to me. And the guy takes off his glasses. You didn't say fuck enough. He said fuck way more than that. He does. <laughs> so and it's much. it's actually someone. It's um, it's the dude from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Woodbine. Yes. Oh, wait. Bokeem Woodbine. No. Is oh, no, 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 no. That's, not, that's not him. Yeah. Who's the guy? Who's, who am I fucking? No. Uh, I wrote them all down and now I'm missing it. Jace, James, James Pitchers, maybe? That sounds, I don't, I don't so, know his name. So, yes. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Long now, time? <laughs> 
love that. He's on that show. He's on that show for like 15 years on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, way longer than that. Or whatever. Like, yeah. Okay. I think so, yeah, I think it's longer than that. Yeah, but this is obviously 1997, so that ha- wasn't true at that Ooh, time. True. He's new to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was I was and, appalled when I heard him curse. <laughs> really? It changed a man for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe an actor can say that. Uh, no, no, no. Just knowing him. Anyway. So, but he he turns back to Tim Roth's character and he says, "Look, today's the day you fucking decided to kick. Yeah. We've all been waking right. up every day hoping the day would come mm-hmm. when you decide to get off drugs. The world is supposed to come to a stop just to help you." And then Tupac kind of comes in and they do they again it's a swing and a miss, but he comes in as like that the character screaming at that moment's black and then Tupac's black and then Tim Roth was the white guy screaming at him so he kind of swoops in and is like my brother my brother my brother mm-hmm. like look mm-hmm. we've all had a long stressful day but, it, but he does deliver a sincere line he's like we're just trying to get some help tell mm-hmm. us how to get some help and these again are these moments where it's like oh you nailed it yeah. except you just missed it but it's <laughs> yeah. still it but, but you know what you know what I'm saying you, you, you feel what I'm saying like Yes. I see what they're striving for. Yeah. I see what they're swinging for, yeah. but they strike out. You yeah. know, and that's okay. That's okay. So, what is the movie about to you then? Other than the system struggle, like is it okay, so like the ending for example, what mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is it about the potential for them or are they already dead because there is a motherfucking straight up potential that they are already dead. Uh there's a scene okay. where uh his name is called and he's not waking up. And then I forget what happens right after that, but it's kind of trippy. He wakes up too late. I think they, they do one of those the flash number. things. But, uh, and then at the end of the movie, same thing happens where they call his name. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they have the two scenes you're talking about. The first one is they've taken like the little tabs you would get at like a yeah. New York deli where it's like, you're number 52, you're number 53. And basically like God and gives them a ticket. They sleep. <laughs> I can see mm-hmm. what you're, yeah. I can see where mm-hmm. you're headed. They- <laughs> so they pull the ticket and they fall asleep. And then they miss their number by a co- just a couple of fucking numbers, which is what overdosing is. Yes, <laughs> and he misses that. Yeah. So the, and then you know they, they call his name, and then the, the eyes pop open, and he gets up and he goes up there. Yeah. And then the last scene of the movie, they're waiting in the emergency room where Tim Roth has been shot, and they've Tim Roth has stabbed Tupac on purpose to get them an overnight oh stay yeah. in the hospital, and. They say, uh, what is his name? Ezekiel Whitmore, Ezekiel Whitmore. And then you mm-hmm. hear the last thing you hear before they do the cut scene to them as a band is you hear him say, here. Yep. Like present. Motherfucker is dead already, bro. I'm telling you. I don't think they die in the end only because the other part of that scene, which I get, I mean, I, I feel bad analyzing it from a, a film perspective mm-hmm. because they zoom, they pan back through the window and Cookie's on the payphone yeah. right. outside saying, Maybe you guys should think about kicking. Yeah. We have this interview with these record execs tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you should think about quitting drugs. And then it pans back and they're, you know, and again, it's the same. Again, this is, this. it's almost perfect. Like, they almost make it perfect. So the first office they go to, to get on Medicaid, is yeah. the last office they end up at. Right. The first place they go to as an institution is the hospital. The mm-hmm. movie ends in the hospital. So okay. always the whole point of the film is you end up where you begin mm-hmm. if you're these people stuck in this rat race of the system. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yeah. is all great to me. I related to this. And not being a film buff at 16 years old, 
I didn't pick up on any of this shit. We're breaking apart now that we've been watching film for 25 <laughs> years, 30 yeah, years. That's part but of the fun, the, man. So I didn't care. I didn't care about that at the time. I care about the emotion of it, you know? Right. So I don't think they're dead because they are talking about the future. Okay. They, 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 in the movie ends specifically talking about the do future. You, yeah. Do you think the post-credit scene or the credit, whatever, the, where they're performing at they the end. They perform as a I group. I hated yes. that scene are so much. Are they alive? I don't think it I mean, should is that exist. after every, oh, the events we've seen? Definitely not. That's definitely right. the last performance before she overdosed where they like killed it and the record execs wanted to meet with them the next day. Well, that's that's definitely right. a flashback. It's definitely a flashback. What did she say? I did not get that. I thought that it was where like... Where are you rushing to? Where are you yeah. rushing to? But you're kinda, we're kind of doing it like Jamaican. This is not, that's <laughs> not working. Not ideal. She's British. <laughs> she is. Not ideal. Uh, she's she sounds strange when she's doing uh, yes. delivering these poems. Um, yeah. Which I think Stretch, Stretch writes these poems, right? Am I am I wrong about that? That Stretch when she's introduced and she's like, "Here's Spoon on uh, the bass." Blah, blah, yeah. blah. They don't delve into them as a musical group at all. Other she than said, poet. Like, that's true. Yeah, that's and true, there is true. that scene where the guy is like, "How doth that be going?" Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, How doth so, that be going? Uh, no, no, no. Because she she does tell him at the beginning, "Hey, I wrote this new thing." Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 I really, I took the post credit scene as like a this is how everything ends up and i was so mad that it existed i wanted the whole thing to just end with them panning out of the window into the two guys in the hospital but what made you think that that was chronological versus every other scene when they are performing that's why i assumed is because all the past scenes have been flashbacks Although the one thing they do, they do that weird cigarette burn thing every time before a flashback, and that did not occur. Oh, during they that. smoke throughout so this movie. Much oh, they smoke so much. Oh yeah. my god, so many cigarettes. Stop. So many cigarettes. I felt sick. Um, Me too. As a longtime smoker yeah. who's finally quit, you know, it's ten like, years ago yes. or seven yeah, years ago yes. or whatever. See, that's sad. I even yachted seven versus ten. That's a big difference. It's like <laughs> it's the type of smoking. Even if you're a smoker, you're like, wow. Oh, that's no brain. Every scene, every scene. There's a cigarette. So why did you think? Okay, that, okay. that was mo- the future, not the past. I have theories on this. The post, uh, the post credit right. scene, the post credit performance by the group. Um, I have theories on this. I am so used to a post-credit scene. This is sad. I am so oh, used I, to a post-credit scene I at know. this point being like a launch off for the next You're movie. Acknowledging we've it, so I'm talked not gonna about give you shit. right. We've <laughs> talked about how uh, Back to the Future, the second uh-huh. movie, uh-huh. at the end they have like a post-credit scene a for the third movie. It's a preview. And this just launched like all of you know. I'm not even going to talk about all the superhero movies. But yeah, sure. I, I thought it was like a shot into the future. This mm. is what happens at the end. I just. Took it as like, here's what might happen in movie two if we ever make it. Okay. Do you think this is the kind of movie that would have a sequel? I have I no mean, idea. They made a sequel to uh, Train Spotting. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, that's true. oh wow. Have yes. you seen that? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't want to go down that route. Wasn't hole. super bad, mm-hmm. but it, anyway. Uh, no, but I had I had a, I had a follow up question. So, okay, so I get okay. That makes sense. Why? And again, I'm not disagreeing with you, but sure. why did you feel it should have just simply ended with that hanging moment of them less than 20 feet away from her, but through a window and she's on the payphone being like, where the hell are you guys? Like, can't believe you just let right, me here, right. left me here. And now they're going into the hospital just to try to get off the streets for the night. Like, why did you want it to end? Like, 
Again, I, I'm not even disagreeing with that choice. Right. Why was that the choice you desired? Because in my mind, that was the only perfect scene, right? It reminded me a lot of The Square, which is another movie I would recommend to anybody who loves foreign film. Um, it's so artsy, right? Like, it's so beautifully shot for the time. Uh, it's a perfect pan out. It takes you full circle. You know, you end up where you started. And if they had just stopped there i feel like they could have had this complete circle and now it's like if i'm making a visual they have a cue like a, they have this weird little scene that just kind of like dangles yeah. on the end and doesn't no I, I i mean i personally that would have been my choice as well and and i'll even go full circle as to say well full circle because that's kind of the theme they're trying to do in the movie right is as a teenager i tried so hard to like that damn credits performance of the band <laughs> i tried so hard i tried to be like well they're kind of doing this bop thing and you know tupac does kind of a cool verse and they, they they're trying to bring it together like does he though <laughs> i mean he does i said kinda all right yeah. that's not that i didn't say tupac does this great verse it's just said, such an odd tupac thing does this kind of cool verse that. and they're trying to come full circle like it's gridlocked it's traffic it's yeah. our life is a traffic and like right. and i tried to listen to it and i tried to be like oh this is actually good and even as a as a teenager who was inexperienced in either making music or even listening to that much music at my life experience, I was like, this is just shit. It's a <laughs> shitty way to end it. So I would have picked a shitty just because it's a shitty scene. I, had no I, I appreciate that you're saying it's shitty because it just should have yeah. been more artistically yeah. ended there. That's another good reason. I think it I've just, just why, ended there. Uh, why are they called Eight Mile Road? Is there any indication of why no they're called Eight idea. Mile Road? And this is why I'm questioning whether or not it's in New York. Mm. Uh but they, she says, we're eight mile road and, you know, we're going to fucking tear shit down or whatever right at the end. Mm. Um, I, I do not understand the significance of that band name, if there is any. They might have just pulled that out of their ass. Bro, mm. I know. I don't know. <laughs> Let's get into what's good and what's bad about this movie sure. or what we think is good and what we think might be bad about this movie. Uh, I will start. Go for um, it. I really like... Uh, hold my dogs till I get back. That scene is pretty great. That's on my list. <laughs> they buy some motherfucking hot dogs. <laughs> that is on my yeah. list. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'll let you expand on that. Um, what I don't like about this, my least favorite scene, I guess, there's a mm -hmm. horror music type thing going on during the the dope drop, meaning when he drops the three fucking ounces mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. heroin that nobody'd be trying to murder him for. They'd want it, of course, if they saw him. Yeah, they'd fucking jack him, but they're not going to hunt him down for three ounces. But either way, during that scene in particular, mm -hmm. um, they say stupid shit like their names are... He says his name is John Dawson. <laughs> no, he's, no cop the, in the, the world. They, the cop asks their name, and they say, Bob Johnson... And mm -hmm. John Dosen. And John Dosen. And they're there to visit their friend uh, Sharon Barnes. Sharon Barnes. <laughs> so all the cops are straight up motherfucking idiots and not realistic in any way. When they are stopping the cops and like playing Bugs Bunny with these motherfuckers, mm -hmm. the, the cops are just... They're, they're patsies. They're long for the ride. They, they have no autonomy. They are not thinking for themselves in any way. They are mesmerized by this junkie. And I yeah. don't even find him to be that great of an actor in this movie to warrant the kind of focus that they have on him versus their own thought process, meaning 
the fuck are you talking about? You're probably lying. What's going on right now? Mm-hmm. You know, this is a con for you, or this is a pro. For- I- These are codes. Co- co- codes. <laughs> codes. <laughs> These are pros, man. I'm so excited. Movies full of them. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're pros because I hate them so much. Well, that's um, that's kind of where I, I, I really did forget and get lost in which one was it because hmm. I, on some level, there are moments, and again, this is not me trying to build this up into something more than what it is, but the the police are not any part of the agenda of this film. This is not about police officers. This is, they're not a theme in this film. But it should be, because all of the stuff they're talking about, the systematic issues, mm-hmm. the police are part of that. So the fact that the police are not hassling them in any way is unrealistic. I don't know That's if I, I don't I don't know if I agree with that assertion. I don't I guess I would say I don't know if I agree or disagree with that assertion. I would just simply say I I mean, we'd have to switch to one of my pros and cons because you're, you're touching on the same things I'm talking about, like that I have to talk about. Right so yeah. if you want me to start talking about it at this moment, we'll I get will. to it. Yeah, okay. okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, hot dogs cons, and police gener- officers. My, my, my general pigs con is unrealistic police officer behavior. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I don't need Of course. It, of course. And I don't need it to be. That's a given. Yes. I don't, I don't need it to be like real, real because that's scary as hell, but I need it to be a little bit more real especially since they're talking about systematic issues the police are completely inept the entire film that right, is true. right right yeah. there are too they're many totally other inept. scary wrote moments down their, the fucking names robert Johnson. yes <laughs> there are too many other John like Dawson. serious scary moments though for the police to just yeah. be like whatever yeah it, it was odd oh and of course they say on the top floor so you know they have more time which was smart i, I do appreciate little things like that but mm-hmm. uh, the music during that part was just so out that happens a lot in this where they have odd musical notes. We were actually talking about one of those during a break. What is your uh, pro? What is your uh, favorite thing about this movie? All right. My favorite scene in the whole entire movie, I think it's one of the last offices they go through. Um, They walk through uh, a row of, I don't know, rope or whatever. They walk all the way through. There's no one in that rope. They just walk through the rope to get to the front desk, right? Mm-hmm. So then they go through a bunch of stuff at that office. And on the way out, they show them just stepping over the rope. I was like, yes, this mm-hmm. is brilliant. This is what we're here for. I loved that scene. Okay. It just showed like where they were in the process of like their struggle, like trying to find some help. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It just and, it, and for me, rewatching this 20 years later from when I was constantly watching this and not having watched since, that was one of the scenes and moments. Or it's not really a scene, it's a moment. There's a mm. lot. That's, that's the thing. And I, I'm not trying to go into my shit yet, but that's the thing that rewatching this really. It's a scene. It, it's a movie that doesn't ever accomplish what it sets out to accomplish, but it has moments mm-hmm. where sure. it really does. And that yeah. is when I was watching this, I was like, "Wow!" They come in, and it is like when you show up at the theme park, and it's like no one's there, and you have to walk in this little back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and you do mm-hmm. it to be compliant and mm-hmm. to be like, "These are the rules. These are the rules." And that's right. the whole movie. They're like, mm-hmm. "Okay, how can we follow the rules to appropriately get on Medicaid, to appropriately get on rehab, to appropriately mm-hmm. kick heroin?" And then they get turned away by the office, door slammed in their face, and they're just like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do? What the?" And they just step over, and they're right. stepping over, and they're right. just like, "I'm fucking done with the system. I'm fucking done with this." And mm-hmm. it's a moment. 
that does nail it. Yes. The moment nails yes. it. Well, yeah, the message is clear as day in the film, and part of that is due to redundancy, and that's part of what's wrong with the movie, mm-hmm. is it's a little bit, a lot of the same, which is the message they're trying to drive home. You know, mm-hmm. we keep, you know, stop and go, right? Yeah, like so, 10 offices, you were yeah. saying. It's tension and frustration. It's hope and letdown. It's, I mean, it's all that stuff over and over and over again, so... Yeah. But, I mean, even to come back to that topic, which, yeah, I kind of do agree and disagree with both people on the sides of that wall when Grey's Anatomy, future Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> is like, oh, today's the day you decided to kick. Like, uh, can we as human beings say, or can you as an addict or anyone who's ever been in addiction or anyone who's ever experienced the need for help from someone else that is out of your ability to do on your own, yeah. Today's the day yeah. I woke up and yeah. decided I want to change. Yes, I want our system to be there for that person yeah. in that moment. We yes. kind of want our system to be set up for that. Like we understand this is a big deal for you to choose to do this. Mm. We because that's that's the moment. Like when you decide on your own. Sure, mm-hmm. that's the moment. I'm gonna start coming up with reasons why this movie's great. If you keep feeding, no, it. I did because Tim Roth spends the whole day. I'm not being saying like, the message no, is not heard. No, I, actually, yeah. uh, nah, spoon. I gotta think about that. I don't really want to kick. Nah, I don't want to do that today. And then they see some more bullshit. Mm-hmm. They see their friends die. And he's like, all right, I'm with you. Like, let's let's do it. Let's yeah. do this. Let's wake up and kick. You yeah. know? It's like, uh, yeah. When that person decides they want change, I want our system to be there for that person. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know when you're going to hit that moment. You never know what that moment's going to be. I think you raise a great point for uh, Tupac's character. It is when... They have to take Cookie to the hospital. But the fact that they had a character in there who wasn't immediately like in agreement with that, it took something else to get him to make that decision. That's too real. You know, I thought that was a nice little add in. That's why I say you were explaining that it has its moments, right? Um, so it's making the point, the message, mm-hmm. it's an important message. And, and they are they are portraying things in a certain way that makes it, you know, very easy to absorb what they're trying to go for, but it's padded with all this other shit. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. All right. So if uh, you had anything negative to say about this movie, what would you say? I feel like I'm socially obligated to say the scene in which they talk about the trans person and their uh, sexual and gender preference. That makes sense. Uh, I'm yeah. so desperate for a movie from the 90s that gets it totally right. And we're just not getting it. And this is the closest I've gotten. And it's still not good enough. Like, it's still not right. But you know what? They they were clearly making an effort. And that's more than I can say for like, some watched, of the other movies that we've watched. We watched Tu Wong Fu, though. And that gets it more right than this. <laughs> Does it? Well, actually, do they even talk about trans rights and, or trans anything in that? I'm yeah, no. Sure if they do. No. Uh, yeah. No, I do feel socially obligated to say the trans scene it's problematic it is yeah yeah but you know they're uh, i give them half a point for trying they get like a c plus yeah. all right chris what do you think's good about this movie what's positive about this movie for you all right so i have quite a list of things i <laughs> like and dislike about this movie all right everybody i'm happy for you i'm gonna let you finish Drug. Leave me 
So that was Benzo by Blood Orange, a.k.a. Devontae Hines, a.k.a. Lightspeed Champion, a.k.a. Guitarist for Test Icicles. Okay. Um, I think this is directed at you, actually. Um, you being the guests and all. And, sure. and <laughs> directed at you. I picked like, this I think you get first reaction. Well. I think you get first reaction here. Um, I... My, as during we us watching this, I immediately thought of Andre Three Thousand, right. which That's is fine. both a compliment and mm-hmm. an insult to this artist because it's me at, uh, in in a singular moment saying, "Here's what you're trying to be." I can recognize that as someone who listened to Outcast in the '90s. Here's what you're trying to be, and also saying, "Here's one of the greatest artists in hip hop history that I've spent." Hours and hours reading about, months and months following and listening to, and years being obsessed with what he would do next. So it's a huge insult and a huge compliment at the same time. <laughs> Flattery is the best form of, That's fine. of compliment, That's fine. I think. So uh, I, I thought the whole uh, just Renaissance theme was. Uh, comical. I thought mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. Yeah, it yeah. made no sense to me. It, it had like no context. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, when you hear a song for the first time, which I guess it is important to say when you ask me for my reaction, if you played a mm-hmm. song I've heard before, I might have a different reaction than sure. a song I'd never heard before. So we I'd, caught you a bit off guard with the premise. I never heard that song before, yeah. and so I was like kind of pulled between trying to re- like. Uh, kind of process and sensory internalize the imagery mm-hmm. versus really trying to hear I, I, I as a as a music listener especially with hip-hop uh really get more into lyrics than necessarily like the beat or the video mm-hmm. like that's where i, I kind of get kind of tunnel vision right. so i was torn because it was such outlandish imagery right yeah i, I got distracted i was trying to hear so what, what did he was you saying. think of the music I mean, it, it felt like some just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, do you really want me to do that? Like, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Why would you shit? Ask like, it's fucking yeah. elevator music. It's yeah. the fucking weekend. It's, <laughs> oh my and I God. I listen to the weekend. I listen yeah. to the weekend. He's right. in my fucking regular workout set. Right. But it just, it becomes so goddamn monotonous where you're just like, Oh, this fucking beat again. Like, and then I, I saw some, uh, th- so then I kept getting distracted by the imagery, which I hope is a positive thing, but I saw a lot of like homoeroticism going on uh, yeah. and I was not turned off by it. I mean, I, I, I maybe I was turned on by it, but I don't know. Like the grapes <laughs> were nice. The grapes were nice. Yeah. That was sure. Cool. You know, and I, I, I remember when there was a time where you would have been like, wow, I've never seen a man kiss another man on screen. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was in that moment. And so I couldn't even listen to the lyrics yeah, yeah, or take it's okay. in like what was it's happening. Because okay. I was like, shit, this is what we're experiencing right now. I mean, I'm trying specifically not to talk about what's going on in the world at this moment, but it's 2020, so yeah. everyone knows what's fucking going oh, on. Oh, yeah. And it's funny um, to not actually reference it. Yeah, it's <laughs> not, That'd be it's weird not to even, not. It's not what we're here for. Yeah, no, it's, it's strange times. Um, I loved this. Oh, good. Okay. I'm already familiar with Blood Orange, sort of. I know them more as like an indie thing. This was more soul, R&B, electronic type stuff, which I I know they do plenty of, but this was the first time it hit me like like that. Yes. 
it just hit different. It just hit different. No, I thought it was cool as shit. Okay. And yeah, you, you it, if I had to compare it to something, okay, kind of like The Weeknd, like a modern R&B artist, but The Weeknd made something in his uh, bedroom, like something cool like that. Um, so I thought it was awesome. Thank you for, is that new? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that came out in what, last year. Okay. Yeah. I have not heard Blood Orange stuff for like two years. There so. you go. This yeah. is from their latest album. Cool. Yeah. And that came out last year. Very nice. Why did you pick it? Uh, okay. So many reasons. Um, to get into the music, to get into the music side of it. I love that it has like this really, really mellow tone to the background. And then there are like impactful lyrics. I'm deep in the weeds with queer music right now. I'm just, uh, I'm discovering that there are, you know, other artists who feel the way I feel, who act the way that I would like to act, who who are like goals for me, right? So I'm I'm trying to get into that music right now. So uh, I had never heard of this person before. I had never like heard of the band. So I looked them up, and um, they were on like a list of uh, queer artists that you should listen to. Uh, and this was like my favorite song out of like everything that they had done. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah. Is there any other significance? I know you guys weren't like totally on board with the beat and the music and everything. No, I was. I, I thought it was amazing. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, but I just love the fact that like when you do queer music, you can get really serious with your lyrics and then they kind of counterbalance that with this very mellow music the lyrics themselves like uh open the door leave me with arms exposed outside i saw where i belong it's like coming out of the closet you know that's that's the message that i picked up from it anyway well you have these strong strong lyrics right right? yeah and then it's just this chill tone and then on top of that you watch the music video and it's super weird have you ever seen with arms wide open by creed i mean oh my lord no (laughs) that's about a kid isn't it who's in this because are there drag queens in this i don't know i did not look that up yeah i love the fact that it's drag uh, i'll openly say i'm obsessed with drag queens uh blood orange is from the uk i love Mm -hmm. the fact that this is like a very uh 17th early 18th century set i'm obsessed Mm -hmm. with the 18th century in the uk i find it fascinating right like they're adopting french culture the way that a society is now adopting drag as an okay thing. It's adopting qu- the word queer as an okay mm-hmm. thing. Um, and we all exist in drag, right? Like we're all putting on some sort of, like RuPaul always says, like all we're born all born naked. naked and the rest is drag. That's Thank right. you. Um, yes. I thought there were a lot of apt metaphors. It was very gracefully done in my opinion. Yeah. I can totally see why you would pick this. Mm-hmm. I-, I like it. Drag. I was saying my pros and cons, the things I love and I don't love so much about this movie. (laughs) First off, an essay by Chris. (laughs) (laughs) First thing we have to acknowledge is cameos by Lucy Liu and Bokeem Woodbine. Well, we just had a cameo from Chris Gethard, and it was way better than both of us. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) No, we're not allowed to talk about that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Bokeem, you think that's a cameo, Bokeem? Well, okay, I don't think either are. I mean, I guess we'd have to 
consult our good friends at IMDb, who hopefully will be a sponsor someday of this show. <laughs> That's <laughs> saying, high hopes. Is a 1997, 19, late 96, early 97 appearance by Lucy Liu and mm. Bokeem Woodbine worth shit? Or is oh, this just shit, their, yeah. is their careers? These is are like bonus uh, appearances. I don't think they're cameos, are they? Okay. These guys, these people are not popular in any way. I guess if we're going to get into this argument, we have to discuss like a, a an operational definition of what a cameo is. Hmm. Because word up, if the <laughs> importance of the cameo is that the actor be famous at that juncture, no. If the importance is that they are very recognizable figures, in that he's wearing all African garb and is a drug dealer, and she's his Asian girlfriend. And it's not yeah, that they, she's Asian. It's that it's specific that they're an interracial couple is important in this film. Yeah. Mm. That's they do pop in together. Yeah, I didn't think about it like of that. Of the two things. And then yeah. they're pivotal in what I'm going to get into my cons about this movie in plot B later. So I, to me, it's a cameo now. It's a, it's a Can we call it a retrospective cameo? Because they went sure, on to be bigger yeah. things. Even he's things. not a big actor. Yeah. I mean, he's had a couple roles, but... There's other stuff like that, like, uh, uh, fuck, who was it? Hmm. Somebody in one of the shitty movies we watched just pops up in a scene, and they're in it for maybe 20 seconds. Um, I'm trying to think of... But you just didn't expect to see him. So, yes. Right, right, it's just right, the difference between drawing the line in the sand of a B right. actor who's a, a recurring career extra versus a... Mm-hmm. future superstar making an appearance in a movie before their time? Yeah. I don't know. It's a where. time cameo. Yeah. It's that time <laughs> back cameo. Back to the future. We gotta yeah. send Lucy Liu back cameo to the future. Cameo to the future. <laughs> I just want to say this real quick. Sure. Uh, Tupac and Bokeem both asked Lucy Liu out and she said no to both and of them. In for real's life, right? Yes, yeah. in for real's life. Where did you find that gem? IMDb. Oh. They got all that. They got a sponsor, you guys, man. Yes. They got to. They yeah. got to. Get on it, IMDb. You're late. <laughs> You're lazy. We haven't. Even, this hasn't even been released yet, but they should already be on it. Yeah, they should be on it. Yeah, they should have. They should have known. They should have. They known. should be on it like Tupac and Tim Roth better. be on that stuff. They they should want to kick. <laughs> Keep going, Chris. Keep going. Number two. <laughs> oh boy. Number two things that are just arbitrarily great about this movie, and I'll go back to what you said earlier. That they are asked by police officers, what are your names? <laughs> and the answer is Bob Johnson and John Doman. Yeah. It's lazy. Perfect. It's lazy. It's so perfect. And I it's it, it's poorly. That's your executed. pro? That's like your that's, favorite. No, that's a funny that's just a funny thing. My note was literally uh clowning on these cops and their footwork. I think you're giving you're not giving the police enough credit in this scene because they know they're not going to give them their fucking real names. Mm. It's like it's, is that okay, what's happening? Can, can, but okay, all right. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. While we're on this sidebar, mm-hmm. do you get pissed off in a movie when the number's five 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 five? No. I do. That's not I behavioral. Get it. I that's, get it. That's what not behavioral. I think this is. That's insignificant information. That whatever fake name they give is the fake name they're going to give, and they're going to accept the fake uh, name. And the only part that, if you're telling me the truth, and you can fast forward and find the scene, 
because I did not notice this. So I'll give you this tidbit. You got me. You're one up on me on this one. Got him. Did he write down the name? He did. He wrote the fuck. <laughs> as he's walking up the stairs, he's right. And because he's writing the fucking names, and he turns back and he says, "What was her name? What What's was your her friend's name, name again?" That's right. Sharon yeah. Barnes. Sharon Barnes, top floor. <laughs> He's like, and he goes back to writing. Like, mm-hmm. You dipshit. And you're the worst cop. That's the part that you but win. But he's not the worst cop. He's win, actually the best cop. You win, but if the acting had been slightly better, <laughs> and it'd been like, all right, Bob Johnson. All right. And what's her name? Shamrock's. All right. Like that. Again, worked. the authorities right. in this, like the doctor and the cops, all of them incompetent and inept. Uh, the, the, the most powerful, fiery figures are uh, ad- admin. They are the uh, the mm-hmm. gatekeepers, as it were. Uh, like from the jump, right? Yeah. When they call oh, the ambulance, mm-hmm. like the first thing that uh, uh, Tupac says is it's a white woman. And yeah, uh, yeah we haven't even talked about that. Whoa. And he's like, and there's a bunch of people talking about revolution. With everything going on right now, we watch this movie and he fucking riffs off basically what's happening. Right. Okay. It's right. on my list. Continue. It's on my list. Okay. All right. So I now, apologize. I I had a couple stupid cons, stupid pros written down, and then I have ones that are more like the <laughs> <laughs> stupid cons, like a Venn diagram. No, no, no. Is it like a comic con <laughs> for dumb shit? Oh, I thought you were gonna go with convict. <laughs> uh, stupid. I con. have some stupid pros. It's too. comic con for dumb wanna, shit. Yeah, stupid I mean, con. Yeah, we're gonna get us some pros. I have some stupid. Stupid. Speak your pros. Prostitutes we can get into. Get your prostitutes. So, so one con I have that's, these are the surface ones before I get into my my serious agenda, is the hot dog scene. I don't know, something about those hot dogs. They're still sitting there to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as we're having this conversation, I'm still sitting here thinking about those two dogs with everything on it and I kind of want one of them. Like, I want that hot dog right now. It's, It's extra weird for me because... Or and they're us. broke. They're broke. Yeah. They're stealing money. They need that fucking they food. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't eaten anything. And it was only like six or seven dollars, but that's important yeah. money to totally. them. Totally. It Especially seems wasteful. He sold a fucking fourteen hundred dollar camera for eighty three dollars. Uh uh-huh. so it's extra f- special for us because this is like the second movie in a row where there's a funny hot dog scene. Yeah. Uh, yes, street it vendor is. hot dog scene. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Shit fucking pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Kaylee, you're ultimately the only one new to this. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? I liked it. Yeah. I had problems with it, of course, but I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I love train spotting, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. I love movies like this that are a- at least attempting to be conscious and they're right. um, deep dive. They're of culture, using right. their time by making this movie to invoke change. It's just, it's difficult for me to fully commit to liking it because what has changed because of this movie? Nothing. I mean, like, people still go through this exact same process. Well, I think we have both made a case, Chris and I both made a case uh, for impact in our lives somehow. Okay. Uh, You know, I've said movies like this and train spotting have steered me away from heroin. Like, that's one of the things I will not ever touch if that were the intention of the film right Uh on i think they did a good job i think that is part of it yeah stay away from this shit it's hard life i took the intention of the film to be like it's called gridlocked they're talking about how we have a broken medicaid system and you know uh 
we're not providing help for these people who want to get better, who right. who wake up one day and, and want to kick the habit and change. Right. I thought that was the intention with the film. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it, anything's changed because of it. I don't feel like they completely got the message right or got it across to an audience. Right. But you still were entertained by this film. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's very entertaining. Cool. Yes. I I, I think it's enjoyable. I remember watching it now, but <laughs> many, many years ago uh, when it was out on video, apparently. So so if Chris was watching this movie mm-hmm. at his house, we were visiting, would you hop on the couch? Yeah. Yes, I would. Watch it. Yes, I would. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, you've opened my mind up to a ton of nuances that I missed my first time watching this. So I'd love to go back and watch it so at some point. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So the next question we normally ask each other is, uh, do you get it? And hundred percent. In this yes. situation. Yeah. yeah. I think we understand why Chris, li- why you like this, Chris. Um, yeah. I liked it when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's favorable now. I, I don't like it as much. If we were hanging out at a party, you put this on. I don't think I'd watch it. I'd sure. go out and like, sure. It's you know, not R. Kelly's trapped in the closet. I'd be okay if this was on. And it holds up better than that. Yeah. So. It's not timeless. It's not timeless. No, right. But I do think it represents a time. I think. And that's a big difference. That's yes. a big difference. Yeah. Something this is an int- representing a time is yeah. a big difference. And this is an interesting dynamic because you're seeing it for the first time. So mm-hmm. fresh eyes, I can see why it works. You know? I, I'm honestly, I'm astounded and pleasantly surprised that you enjoyed this really yes wow because i know him and i know that our uh like uh, my idol was tupac and his idol was the rizza i mean that was where we were at that age Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like even if they did shit you kind of like gave it some credence because you knew they were brilliant Mm -hmm. and they were experimenting and they were trying things I was much more concerned about you being like, what a fucking piece of garbage. No, and I know like so literally impressed. nothing about Tupac, except he has the best eyelashes I've ever seen on a human <laughs> being. Um, I, I know nothing about this he person. Great abs, too. Yeah. <laughs> really great oh, abs. oh, yes. I watched Fear the stab me. scene. <laughs> That's why I said that so much. All of you hear me? Yeah. No, I mean, still, I thought his acting was solid i thought he was great there were moments where i was like uh, questioning sure. what was happening i but think overall, a better director it's really a low budget film it's clearly a low budget film i think a yes. better director could have done something more i with do this. i yeah. do a better writer I, I there were layers of what's wrong with it but i think it's well the cast. Goal yeah was achieved yeah and there okay. are specific moments where just watching it last night i was like wow I still feel like that's a relevant moment. That's a relevant moment. Yeah. It's, there you go. it's rough. It's sad that it still is relevant, but it does transcend time in that aspect, right? Like I can watch this and, and still understand what's happening. Sure. Actually, it is kind a of a point. snapshot. That's a great point. Yeah. It, it, it's a good snapshot of uh, people trying mm. to talk about things mm-hmm. in film in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's worth it for that. I, I'd say uh, I can't say don't watch it. I wouldn't say no. That's terrible. If you um, can find I, it, 
Definitely oh, watch very it. Difficult to find. <laughs> very difficult. You know, we we watch a lot of movies for different reasons for this podcast. Uh, in particular, we've not had any issues, but it, for any other reason, unless it's like Neil Breen and you got to like yeah. really do a deep dive. But uh, this was not. I, I couldn't find it. It was not available. And why is that? Well, Captain I mean, Ron. Why is that, Captain Ron? Sucked. But also because when I found the video that I was like, okay, I got, I found it, guys. I was like, oh, this is not very good quality. They're yeah. gonna be critical of this, and I was like, nice. no, they're not. But I expect high definition things. This is 2020, <laughs> and that is kind of a representation of this film. But it's like, also like it's Tupac, right? Like if Kurt Cobain had done three movies oh and they were released. All right, Chris. So. Uh, we will come back another time, hopefully, with you. And uh, I would love to announce what that movie is, but I think we're going to save that for another episode. Uh, we'll announce uh, one of these guest episodes when Secret we can arrange time. one. There's a lot right. of things going on in the world today, uh, so we want to be mindful of that. Um, we also have some very significant personal changes in our lives, um, uh, a big move. So um, Ooh, uh, we're, you know, exciting times, also trying times. Also, everybody pay attention. And, um, you know, respect people first and foremost. So, uh, love, love your neighbor. Yeah. You will be back. I think this went, you know, was fun and we'd love to have you back. Uh, we will announce your choice at some point. Uh, but in the meantime, what would you like to say before we go? I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on your podcast. I think this is a really brilliant idea. The thing I love so much about this concept is grappling with the concept of being in a relationship and the mutual experiences that you've had in the past that you now want to share. Love to bring that again. I also, as a mental health counselor, want to post on and put in my agenda of be aware of suicide awareness, be aware of what people are experiencing in mental health all the time. And if you see someone around you that needs help, Please offer them a listening ear. Please don't be afraid to tell them, hey, I'm here for you and I can help you get help. Okay? Love. Yeah, Chris, I want to thank you. Um, this, yeah, again, it's been a lot of fun. Really, thanks for being here and joining us for this. Uh, this is our first attempt at uh, bringing in a guest. And, of course, it's been delightful. And, Kaylee, what up? thank you. Oh, anytime, man. <laughs> you know where I'm at. Cool. We're going to do this again. See you yeah. guys next time. Thank you. Peace. Mm-hmm. Boing, boing.